Praise and Worship is a community of people in Branson, Missouri, who are gathering, growing, being encouraged, and sharing with others the love and hope of Jesus. Learn more online at branson.church. So, I have to tell you a story because we're at the end of 2019. 20 years ago, we were at the end of 1999, and I don't know if anybody in this room had ever heard of the Y2K bug, okay? Talk about hindsight is 2020, right? Um, so you have to understand that in my first career, starting at about 1995, I was an IT guy, which is another way of saying a computer nerd that got paid to be a computer nerd. And so I was in computers. I was there. We, I was there when the internet was built, as we now know it. Um, it wasn't Al Gore who invented it. Sorry, Al. But that's okay. We, you know, it, it, it came online in the mid-90s as we know it now, having started all the way back in the 60s, and we were there putting in routers and switches and computers, and I'll never forget, we went over to my mother-in-law's house, and she, was, she had the paper out, and, and this was in, I don't know, early, like the summer of 99, and she says, have you heard about this thing with the, the calendar? And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And she goes, yeah, they, they, there's this worry that when, when the calendar goes from 1999 to 2000, that all the computers will shut down because they only have a two-year thing, and they'll think it's 1900 instead of 2000. And immediately in my mind, I was like, that is the silliest thing I have ever heard. And I thought, I just thought some journalist was interviewing a tech guy, and he was trying to get his name out there. I didn't know. I did not know that the world would pick that up and run with it. Holy guacamole. Now, a lot of you were like, I don't even remember that. Some of you guys were too young. But may I just tell you, the world kind of went a little bonkers over that. And the whole time, I mean, I'm the computer guy. I'm like, this is just nonsense. I mean, like, yeah, your Tandy 1000 might not boot the right way, but I mean, everything else is going to be fine. And I mean, they were talking about planes falling out of the skies and power grids going down. And I'm like, this is just, oh my gosh. Has everyone, no one ever heard of a firmware upgrade? I mean, they just, it was just, it was nuts. And, every, and as we got closer and closer and closer to New Year's Eve, the fear just ran. And, and we, were, we were staying with some friends, and I mean, I, I saw them. They were putting, like, extra food in the basement. And, so, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And so finally, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the ball fell in New York, and, and it, you know, it was interesting because it was New Year's Day in Australia but long before it was here, and People were already noticing, no, nothing was breaking, nothing was failing, everything was fine, you know, and then as it finally got here, you know, everybody was like, hindsight is 2020. When we look back, we realize how silly that all was, but guys, in November and December of 1999, it was big, I mean, it was a huge thing. There were preachers selling lots of books over this thing, I mean, trust me, nothing has ever changed right? There was trouble, and everyone was just locking onto it, and, and you know, because it was a big calendar change, you know, from 99 to 2000, and so now we're at the end of the second decade since then, and everybody's like doing their top 10 lists for the decade, right? You know, now have you done any of these? You got your top 10 list of the decade? You're like, what is your biggest thing that happened in this decade? Well, I'm excited about this decade, because in this decade, there was this church called Praise and Worship that was born, and it became an official congregation, and it's this congregation that's going forward, and we have all this exciting time in front of us, and we're very excited about that. You guys, even that are from out of town, you're sitting there going, well, you know, we've got exciting things going on back home. Everybody's got a future in front of them, and the question is, is how do we look at that future? You know, do we look at it with fear like they did in 1999? Oh my goodness, the white 2K bug, which is just a joke in history now. 
Or do we look at it with, wow, you know, we happen to actually be heirs to the kingdom itself. Take a look at Isaiah 63, verse 7. We're going to put these on the screen and zoom in a little bit on them. And, you know, I, I always tell the story that, you know, I love to translate Greek in the New Testament. I was kind of a Greek geek. I guess something of that computer nerd stuff uh, washed over onto that. Um, but I always struggled with Hebrew. And I think, I fi- in preparation for this message, I think I finally figured out why I struggle with Hebrew. Because Hebrew uses less words to say more. You can see why I might struggle with that. Right? So, so, my wife's saying amen up here. And so, so here's the thing. I want you to see this word in green. It's, I will tell of the kesed of the Lord, the kesed of Yahweh. That's what it says in Hebrew. I will tell of the kesed. Now, now you can barely see these words. And that's why I wanted. To, I made them so you can barely read them. That's intentional, um, because it's really supposed to be one word. But in order to define that word, I'm going to borrow from Sally Lloyd Jones and say, "Kesed is the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love." I will tell of the never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love of the Lord. And everybody's like, yeah, I think I like kesed better. It's for short. (laughs) Kesed is one of the most frequently used words in the Old Testament. And when it comes into the New Testament, you know, we see it coming out in a different way. It's more like agape. It's this idea of God's undeserved loving kindness for you and for me. It's, It's him saying, no matter what, I love you. No matter what. No matter what, whether or not you look back and you have your hindsight and you're like, wow, I can't believe I made those choices. I'm going to confess to you something that Debbie has told many of you, but you all need to hear it and we just need to get it out of the way. When we were a newlywed couple, at one point she put on this yellow sweater and I looked at her and, and I said what any smart newlywed would say. I said, you know, that, that kind of makes you look like a big banana. That's what I said. <laughs> Many years later, we've been married almost 25 years now, all these years later, I still look back and go, how stupid could I have possibly been to say that? I mean, you have to be a special kind of stupid to say that. So you newlyweds over there, don't say, David, don't ever say that. Don't even say anything like that. Just say, oh, honey, you look wonderful. That's, that's my premarital counseling in a nutshell. And so you're, you're looking back and you're, hindsight is 2020. You look back and you're like, how did I ever come to the conclusion that that was the right thing to say? And yet the words came out of my mouth. And you're just like, well, was I drunk? What was happening? I don't know. I don't think I was. And you're just like, no, I was just dumber than a box of rocks. That's what happens. And so when we look forward, you, you think about how we've all made mistakes. None of you as big as that one. But, but you, you make mistakes and you're like, how do I move forward knowing that I'm going to make more mistakes? Maybe not as big or as silly but I'm going to make them. And and the answer is, we look back and we tell of God's kessed, his undeserved loving kindness. Through it all, he loved me, and so did my wife, which is an amazing testimony. But, But he loved me, he forgives me, he restores me, he sets me right, he does this for you, that's his promise. And so when we say, well, what are we gonna, what are we gonna do at praise and worship in 2020? Pretty good plan right there. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about this. We're going to tell stories about how he has done this for you and for me and how he keeps doing it. Take a look at verse 8. It says there he became their savior. 
And I find it interesting, we've been talking about this as in a group here, um, kind of uh, folks throughout our congregation, who've been, we've been kind of having this conversation, what does salvation mean? And it's so strange because if you, were to, if, if you read the newspaper to see that a firefighter went into a burning building and carried a person out, and we said, that firefighter saved that person, none of us would question what the word saved mean. We wouldn't question salvation doctrine or theology or anything like that about what happened when he, when he or she carried that person out. And so, so the idea is, is Savior, it, it shouldn't be a hard word for us, but it is because we kind of, we try, we like, we can't accept grace. We, we struggle receiving the blessings of God. We struggle with that. And so I would challenge you is every time somebody says, you know, what has God done for you? Uh, he's, he's my Savior. He picked me up and carried me out of the darkness, and he brought me into the light. And you could even go so far as to say he was exactly like a firefighter who carried me out of the fire. Because that's a very much exactly the language Jesus would use throughout the Gospels, to be delivered from the fire. And everybody's like, yeah, Mark, this is 2019, getting ready to be 2020. We don't talk like that anymore. Hell's been, you know, kind of, we all know that the church just made that up. Jesus talked about hell more than anybody. Nobody made it up. Jesus, he declared what is true. And he said that it's a reality that is, is something that we need to know about and that he came to do something about. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. And I'm going to say Anthony's favorite verse, which is the next verse, verse 17, which is God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save it through him. This is why he, this is what he wants. A lot of people think, well, church is just about a bunch of people being hellfire and brimstone and, and judgmental. Well, then, then they're wrong when they are. If the church is doing that, and I've been in them that do, they're wrong. The truth is this. Now, the truth is also, if we ignore and reject God, then he'll be, give us what we want. He'll be like, if you want life on your own for all eternity, then I'll give that to you. But he doesn't want that for us. This is why he came as our Savior, the Messiah, right? The one who came to rescue us from the fire. Now, look at the first part of verse 9. Because, you know, this time of year, we oftentimes talk about Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. We sing that like a hundred times in a hundred different ways throughout the Christmas season. But this is what it means. It's not just that God is like coming to town, you know, whether you've been naughty or nice. It's, 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 it's that he actually enters into it with us. He enters into our distress, into our suffering. And so if you're ever sitting there thinking God doesn't understand, I want you to cry out his name. I want you to talk to him. I want you to learn that hindsight is 2020. So in my life, I've had all these things that have happened, and I tell these stories, and, and, and numerous occasions, I have always wondered, well, why did this happen? And I mentioned how bad I am at Hebrew. I was actually really bad at Hebrew. I don't know if you guys know this. I failed Hebrew readings, which was the first like full-on Hebrew class after you do your preliminary one, and then they just thrust you in, and then you're in there swimming, and then the professor would come in and say, oh, there's Isaiah 63, translate. And I'd be like, you know, I could get kessed. That's all I could do. And so 
so what would happen is, is that I just it went down and down and down. I, I failed the first test. I got like a 43 on it, and there were only two grades in the class. You could do two tests. And so I ran the numbers, and I had to get like a 95 to pass the class on the second test. And I really worked hard, and I got an 82, but you needed a 95 to pass the class. So I went and I appealed to Professor Robbie, who is a great, great, great Hebrew scholar and a great, wonderful guy. And he, in my mind at the time, said words that I thought were very wrong. No, you failed the class. That's just how it works. And I went out of there mad at him and mad at the world and blaming everyone but myself. And so through the course of time, the only, you know, there were some different ways I could have done it, but the best way to do it was to be at seminary longer, to take more time to slow down my schedule and all of these things and be there an extra year. Well, it just so turns out that there was this little church in Branson forming and that if, if I had gone at my time, I would have been out of seminary before I could have come here. So see, we have to see that the Lord enters into our situation with us. He doesn't cause the problems. We, we cause the problems. But he, when, when they happen, he joins us in them. And he works in the midst of them. And he says, let's see what we can do to redeem this, to turn this around, to take this very terrible thing and make it a blessing. And of course, you guys could all come up here and tell your own stories that would be much more impressive than mine. Don't worry, you don't have to today. But be thinking about it because we might do some interviews and film you guys and share that with everything because I think people need to hear more. They need to find out they're not the only ones going through these things. If we knew how much suffering there was in this room, we would, we would, it would be like we were talking about, so it would almost be depressing, right? It would almost be depressing if we knew how much suffering was going on in this room. But see, what's, what's interesting is we shouldn't be surprised that there's suffering going on. What is surprising is that God enters into it and he helps us through it. This is the surprising thing. This is where I'm going to tell of the kessed of Yahweh. I'm going to tell of his unbreaking and always and forever love, his undeserved loving kindness, because I know it's true. Because yes, I can tell you about suffering, but I can also tell you about hope. I can tell you about how much hope there is in this room, how much faith there is, not because everyone's great, but because of God and what he's doing through his spirit. Take a look at the second half of this verse. He says, in his love, Ahava, see I know a little bit of Hebrew. His love and his mercy. Now that mercy word is a really long word. I couldn't pronounce it if I tried. He redeemed them. Love and mercy. And that mercy is actually this word that kind of involves like, like I don't want you to go through this. Because mercy means not getting what we deserve. You, we can talk about what we deserve and he's, he's not interested in that. I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to love you and I'm going to do grace, which is to receive what we do not deserve. He redeemed them. Redeemed means that he went out and he got us. He bought us with his blood. That's what happened on the cross. He died for you and for me. And he lifted us up and he carried us out of slavery. And that last phrase, all the days of old. Because you got to know, I'm kind of one of those guys, some of you guys know this, I'm not much into traditions, right? And so, you know, some, sometimes we'll get some very traditional um, Christians who you know, grew up in a traditional Lutheran church and they'll come here and like, you guys are kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, the biblical word for weird is holy, but that's okay. And so I struggle with that, but every once in a while I'm like, you know, but, but see, one of my professors says something really good. I love that. He says, he says tradition is where, you get, where the dead people get a say at the table. You know, they get to talk. And they still get, you hear their voice even though they're gone. That's why tradition is so important. And that's why we always have to look back before we can move forward. Let's not forget what the Lord has done. 
And I know as you look back over 2019, I know there are people in this room that say, 2019, pretty good year. Yeah, praise God. This is awesome. And I know people that are in this room like, 2019 can go right down and jump in the lake. I'm done with this year. I'm ready for a new year. And you may be somewhere in between those two, but the point is this, is that we keep looking back so that we can move forward. We, we look over our shoulder and we're like, see what the Lord did? He was with me in the middle of that. He saved me when this happened. He helped our family come through this situation, even though it hurt so bad. And that gives us the hope and the ability to look forward because of all the days of old. When he's talking about all the days of old, he's like, you remember when I like part the Red Sea? You remember when I was like with you, carrying you out of Egypt, like the land of slavery? That was me, I did that. And now you guys are kind of like, yeah, we don't need you anymore. <sighs> we get this way too. We go through life, especially when we're very busy and we're very burdened and we have all these things going on and we we've just sort of forget. And I invite you to look back. Look back as you get ready for January. And you know, there's all these, you know, everybody gets on a diet in January. Everybody has their resolutions. Everybody does all these things. And, you know, what if we just said, you know what? Let me tell you about the undeserving loving kindness of God. And let that be the power that carries us into the new year. Let's pray about that. Father in heaven, we ask you to do just that. To root the knowledge of your love and your grace and your mercy in our hearts. Let us always be able to look back. Yes, there's a lot of pain behind us. And there's some that follows us through the calendar. I know that there's trouble yet to come. And we don't know what tomorrow is. It's promised to no one. But we know who holds tomorrow. And that's you. And we know who you are because we look at the cross and we see your love poured out for us. We see how you have adopted us into your family as sons, all of us, with equal rights of being kings and queens in your kingdom. And Lord, we pray that you would bless us in this. We pray that you would grow that faith in us, that knowledge in, that, in us, and the ability to move forward, even as we look a little back and we remember of all the days of old when you delivered us, you saved us, and you set us free. Root that deep in our hearts as we enter into the new year and try to have less of those times when we needed hindsight and more of those times when we strive forward in faith, hope, and love. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.